1: Welcome to Rosary Radio uh, It's been a while since we've uh, done a podcast, but we're back again um, Joined by three writers tonight uh, First off is my co-host, uh, Matthew Lamar, joining us tonight Matthew, how are you? Glad you could uh, could join me
2: Doing good. good. Doing good. good. It is cold and terrible outside, and the roads are awful. Yes. And, but it is nice and warm in here. A so. sleety,
1: snowy Kansas City. Um, also on the line here is uh, our Savannah resident, who I'm, I bet it's, it's not as, it's not as cold here, but how's it down in uh, Savannah? Josh Ward, that is. A little bit warmer, I'm guessing?
0: It was 55, and I wore shorts today. Oh, okay. Wow.
1: My work closed early today because of how bad the snow was. So, good man.
3: Uh,
1: um, so, it then, was a uh, it was pretty nice all day. And then, alongside us is Kevin Ruprecht for the first time on the show. Kevin Ruprecht, Ruprecht, Ruprecht. That's how it's pronounced, correct?
4: Yeah, Ruprecht.
1: Ruprecht. What's the uh, What's the lineage of that? What's the the etymology? Etymology. Yeah. Uh,
4: it's It's German, Ooh. and uh, if you. Know the German name for Santa Claus, Sinterklaas, right? Oh, uh, mm-hmm. Ruprecht was um, sort of a servant or sidekick to oh. Sinterklaas, huh. and sort of assisted with whatever nasty things the German Santa Claus would do to kids.
0: Oh, fantastic! True, because German Santa Claus is not a particularly nice person. I it's, mean, German right, as language, language is is not the most pleasant. <laughs>
1: It's well, be- r- r- it's the Belschnickel, right? Because that's what Dwight Schrute on The Office, he's the Belschnickel. Oh, well. Okay. Well, he that's the Something German like that. So, anyway. Sure. I probably went too far on this one. All right. Let's uh, – <laughs> my Seinfeld in The Office, I've got it. Um, okay. So we'll dive right in. Obviously, the very first big news that happened. Uh, Alex Gordon will remain a royal for at least the next four years. Could be five. Uh, but it's at least four. Going to make $72 million, I believe, was the contract. Um, definitely back-loaded with a mutual option for the fifth year. Feels pretty good, guys, huh? That's I mean, um, an
2: understatement, I yeah. would say. What do you guys Fun
1: think bad, was – what do you think is – and not from the Royals, but from just kind of any team being an outfielder. If the stakes got high enough, what do you think the highest you could see a team going for Gordon?
2: Um, pretty high. I could see him going for as much as 100 million you think for five years or so. I think that. I mean, looking at what Upton got, six for what 136.
4: Um, yeah, twenty two point one two five AAV, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he, he could have got for five for 100 probably. I mean, yeah, that's that off off right. a year. Um, you know, so that's that's probably the the ceiling. And obviously, the Royals are not going to spend or for a hundred, although yeah. knowing what we know now, they probably could have. But, you know. Such is <laughs> so life.
0: Well, the only thing I wonder about now at this point is how much money was left on the table or whether oh. any money was actually left on the table. Yeah. Um, I understand that some teams don't view Gordon the same way that Kansas City does. Um. But the idea that all he was able to really put together was four for 72. I mean, maybe he had an offer that was four for 75 and decided to stay in Kansas City instead. Uh, But I still find it really hard to believe that nobody was offering something competitive, at least, because you didn't really hear any reports that, like, oh, he you know, left X amount on the table to return to Kansas City or anything like that. Um, yeah. Regardless of all of that anyway, but uh, regardless of, of that, uh, it's it's pretty great to have him around. There's actually a piece I've been gestating now for like a week and a half about baseball and legacies, and Matt wrote about it, um, I guess, Monday, today. Matt right? Lamar, you're speaking of? Yeah. Yeah, today, Tuesday, not Monday. Tuesday? Are you
2: talking about the one about why we root for baseball?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And half of that is, you know, kind of wrapped up in culture, and part of culture is legacy, and part of legacy is is sort of these figures that exist, and now, you know, Kansas City has another one. Like, George Brett has kind of always been that thing, uh, at least in terms of baseball, and then you have sort of the lesser knowns of maybe like Dan Quisenberry, uh, Mike Sweeney yeah but uh, the fact that Alex Gordon is now essentially committed to being a royal you know for life more or less um, it's it's something that means more than just the money that's being given to him or the money that he didn't take in order to come back
1: yeah uh, and that's that's a good point about the discount too is that it wasn't really bandied about as far as what it was but there's sort of like an implied discount, you would imagine, um, because five seventy-two is I mean, pretty fairly. Te- I mean, for the most part, t- as team-friendly as you know, a five-year deal or four-year deal for a thirty-two-year-old outfielder can be. Um, but if you guys were to even guesstimate, let's say it this way: So, what's a discount? How much do you guys think Alex Gordon, the peak? What's the biggest discount you think he could have given the Royals? $10 Ten million, fifteen? I think. I think if someone came along with four eighty, I think he would have taken that. But that's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question, and I don't think – I think that is just – it's very speculative, which is not bad. But part of the, the – pro, pro, not problem, I guess. Um, part of the, the thing about the signing is that um, I'm not entirely sure that he left much money on the table, um, judging from what we know and yeah. from what um, – there's this guy clubhouse conversation who has some yeah. sort of inside source with the Gordons, um, or not, not the Gordons, Alex Gordon, uh, some sort of inside source that was supplying him pretty, pretty accurately. He said it was only between the White Sox and the uh, and the Royals, and the White Sox were only willing to give him three years. Yeah. So I'm not mm-hmm. entirely certain if you know. That wasn't the best deal that Gordon had on the on the market, um, which which like, kind of we'll never really know.
0: And and if that's true, that really makes me wonder what the other what the perception of Alex Gordon outside of Kansas City is, because the fact that he only was getting a three year deal from the White Sox seems yeah. insane, right?
1: Especially when the Tigers met. I mean, there's a lot of people that needed, um, you know. Not, not maybe a lot, but there were definitely suitors for him. Um, not quite the pitchy market, but definitely suitors for him, too. And, yeah, you know, of course, he's got a higher economic value to the Royals just from his, you know, who he is to the franchise. Um, but I can't imagine. I don't know. I, I feel like if Casey Close, his agent, went around and said, hey, five million, five years, or four years, $75 gets you Gordon. I kind of find it tough to believe that two teams, or, you know, one or two teams didn't say, okay, we'll take that, you know?
2: Yeah, I just think it sort of shook out perfectly for the Royals. Oh, Um, With Hayward, Hayward really signing with the Cubs just sort of made everything. Yeah. Um, Because the Cardinals ended up being a lot like the Royals in that they were really only interested in Hayward coming back. Like, if the Royals didn't sign Gordon, they're probably not going to go out and get Upton, you know? Yeah. Um, But the... uh, uh, what what team? Sorry, I just totally blanked. I'm just so excited that Alex Gordon's back. Like that's part that's part of it. It's just like yeah. it's just so exciting that he's back. Yeah. You know, he's just he's Alex Gordon, and he is back in Kansas City for another four years. Um, but yeah, I, once once Hay- Hayward signed with the Cubs, you know the Cardinals weren't really interested yeah. so much in getting another outfielder, and then. Uh, so they were out of it, and then the Cubs obviously were out of it because they're not going to go out and get Hayward and Gordon. Yeah. Although that would have been crazy, <laughs> um, and that is your standard issue um, high market teams like the you know Dodgers and the Angels and the Yankees weren't really coming out spending a bunch of money anyways. And um, yeah, I just think it just sort of shook out, and you know the Tigers obviously got Upton, but you know maybe they just didn't want. Gordon or maybe Gordon wasn't willing to negotiate with him or something Um,
0: it's interesting they bring up the Dodgers and the Angels and the Yankees and the Dodgers weren't bidding for him because they have like seven outfielders already right and the the Angels weren't bidding for him because they're still paying Josh Hamilton (laughs) (laughs) that was the dumbest contract in the history of bad contracts Uh, except for maybe Ryan Howard that one's also pretty bad Vernon Wells says hi
1: yeah, Vernon Wells is pretty bad too.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm surprised Vernon Wells was never Royal, to be honest. Um, that's just my sorry.
0: And the Yankees have Ellsbury and Gardner already, right?
4: So and Beltron, yeah, Beltron, yeah, and Beltron. Yeah,
0: and,
2: yeah, and but, plus, and and I, I was sort of saying this uh, before uh, before the offseason happened and any serious uh, conversations began, but I but I thought that. Um, you know, the amount of high tier outfielders would push Gordon down or Gordon's value down. Um, you know, because why get into bidding war for Gordon when there are three better options literally, three better options for you to do? Um, and then also some pretty decent second tier options like you know, Span and Fowler, um, and Para and Para and Cespinus is still unsigned, it's, it's just crazy. So, I just like it was the perfect storm. There were lots of outfielders, the suitors lined up, uh, just so, and it just, just happened to be, and it was, it's the most traditionally un Kansas city thing, you know, cause Kansas city Royals baseball was all about them being terrible and being unlucky. And th- all of a sudden they've just, the, the switch was just flipped, you know?
1: Yeah. And you know what? It's kind of good fortune that, and you know this is speculation of course, that, um, What's his name? That Chris Davis did. If Chris Davis wouldn't have signed elsewhere, oh yeah, Davis, I mean, the Orioles would have been. I, I would imagine all over them, all over Gordon. Uh, Gordon has. I was going to look it up real quick. A one fourteen OPS plus. So I think that's one of his better splits. But anyways, he. It seems like he's always hit real well. And of course, you remember that plaque they have for Alex Gordon out in the outfield from that home <laughs> run hit. Um, right. But yeah, I mean he's hit very well at uh, uh, Camden. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking, as you guys mentioned. It's kind of that that perfect um, kind of turn of events, essentially, or the lack thereof for the most part um, that kind of allowed them to to keep them. So, good.
2: Yeah, plus one other thing, and I don't really know how much this really matters, but it seems as every year goes on, teams are more and more and more reluctant to um, get uh, fringe guys with qualifying offers, you know? And, I mean, Gordon's not a fringe guy, and he was always going to get signed, but – He's a fringe guy when you compare him to the outfielders available. Right, and he just, you just just got to wonder, like, what is going on? Because it's not just, um, you know, it's not just Gordon. Like, all these guys are unsigned and stayed unsigned, and I think teams are just sort of like, well, I, I guess we'll sign them if we have to, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Um, you don't want to say that the owners are colluding. or collusion is colluding a word is that the yeah colluding colluding. yeah sure the the form of collusion to collude Uh, yeah to collude
1: yeah it's a latin um, american prospect's name by the way to collude (laughs) to i don't you know
2: i don't want to say that the owners and the managers are doing that but it just seems really really fishy um and at the very least i think people really value prospects and um getting a free agent tied with a prospect and you spend a bunch of money on them you know Maybe not team's first option, which slows down the whole process.
0: Well, particularly for teams who might be looking for a player to put them into contention. Like, a a team like the Royals are in a position where it's like, well, we're here. Like, we have to keep going. As opposed to another team, which is saying, if we acquire this player, we might be able to compete. Right. And that's much less that's much less attractive to want to go out and give up a draft pick to sign that guy to possibly win eighty five games. Right. Yeah. And that second wild card man.
1: Hey Max, a question directly for you. Yeah. Why do we root for sports teams anyways? Can you answer that? Um I think it has a lot to do with um it's got a lot to do with
2: people. We 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 root for them because it's um, we like to feel a part of something, you know. Regardless of what whether we're um, introverts or extroverts, it's because we want to be a part of something. And if you're introverts, be a part of something alone. But if you're an extrovert, be a part of something with people, you know. Um, either either way, I think people like experiencing things with other people, and sports are the ultimate way to do that because nothing is for sure you know um and it's it's also why you see all these you know the explosion of these uh cons and uh other you know fandoms based off of fictional works is once sort of like the stigma of being nerdy has worn off which is its own discussion entirely um you know people like to experience stuff together and that's why you know, Star Wars is a thing. It's why I, you know, I reference uh, Pokemon in the article. People love the first, the first generation of Pokemon because it was the one where they um, experienced it with other people. And then there's uh, there's a fair amount of nostalgia as well. You know, like oh, when I was a kid, I went to see this game uh, or whatever, or I rooted for Sandy Alomar, or you know, my mom's favorite player was blank and i remember that you know stuff like that yeah obviously the game itself is important too you know yeah and some people like it because of the game and that's perfectly fine but that doesn't explain the whole thing it can't
1: yeah and two kind of points there i never realized first this is off topic i never realized that you can't get the other three pokemon in or the other two you can't catch if you choose charizard you can't get what Pikachu or whatever you can't get Boba and and uh, the other guy.
2: Yeah, really? Squirtle. Squirtle. You can, I, unless you trade for them, which doesn't make any sense. But huh. you know, it's yeah.
0: that was uh, that was Ninx. Yeah, that po- posted that comic. Yeah,
1: wow, huh? So
2: yeah.
4: you can't really catch all. It's a gimmick to get more people to buy.
1: Yeah, you can mm-hmm. catch most of them.
2: Okay. Yeah, but it, it also gives you a choice, like as a as a purely gameplay decision. And this is getting down into game design, which is somehow not this this podcast, but um, <laughs> it makes sense. As a it's
0: better account, than right? the tax edition, like.
2: Yeah, it's it's you know you get a choice, and yeah. then you uh, you pick something you like, and it's a unique experience, and you know it's good. But story wise, it doesn't make any sense. But also story wise. Like your 10-year-olds walking around with Pokemon and it's it's just don't think about it too hard.
1: Yeah. Hey, so do you think teams, do you think fans would have, would be just as attached to teams if every year they got 25 new players? Like Duke. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, like, you think of, not Duke basketball, like Kentucky basketball. Well, Kentucky, that's a big exaggeration. They don't uh, over, you know, churn that much. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think we'd be as connected, are we connected in the players just as much as the team? Maybe not as much as the team, but what percentage do you think is Players first team, like connection wise. Do you think it's twenty percent players higher than that? I
2: don't. I don't know. That's that's a good question because I've thought before. You know, like I don't know the the Rays or the Athletics teams that are traditionally have high turnover rates. You know, because they they trade players. You know, um, whether they're prospects before they get to the big leagues or even once they've got to the big leagues. You know, like James Shields. Um, yeah, I I I don't know, and I wonder. If that's not part of the reason why people aren't as excited about those teams, you know... I mean, there are a billion other factors, but like, the Rays and the A's are not exactly teams that you, like, oh, the fans love them, you know? And I I wonder, like, is that because like there's just no one to hook, you know, sort of uh, hook onto as far as, you know, knowing who this is? And I think part of the Royals... Uh, widespread interest among the Kansas City area is that they were a fun team to root for even beyond winning you know
1: yeah and there's certainly got to be some connection because no one in in St. Pete is going hey let's go to a race game on a random Tuesday night just because they want something to do you know i mean that's there's got to be a connection as far as they want to go see the team um for for whatever reason that is and like you said it's probably it's probably not the players necessarily um given how much there is turnover. I can't imagine Evan Longoria is, you know, breaking ticket records and jersey sales by himself, you know. But Kevin Kiermaier, so they do a good job of that. But anyways, yeah, I'm with you there. So that was a good article. I just wanted to kind of talk about that for a bit. Cool. Thanks.
2: And Pokemon, of course. And Pokemon, yeah,
1: which I've never played more than 25 minutes of. Anyways, uh, Mm -hmm. hey, Kevin, so why do you root for the Royals? Let's let's get some discussion uh, with this being your first time. We're going to be annoying and ask you specific questions. (laughs) So what got you yeah, in the, sure. the Royals? You're a Kansas City guy. For those who don't know, Kevin works in yeah. Kansas City and everything. Um, too,
4: born and raised in Kansas City, um, and you know my my family was a subscriber to the Kansas City Star, so I'd get the Kansas City Star uh, during the summer. You know I'd wake up and start reading Bob Dutton's recaps. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so at that point I was. Pretty hooked because I thought Dutton did such a great job at his job, despite the team being in, in the dark times uh, and, and terrible. Yeah, you know, he always seemed to just uh, to use a, a cliched sports term, bring it to every recap. You know, 162 games. Um, so that's that's kind of the the start of why I was a fan of the Royals. Uh, two, I was a baseball player as a kid, um, which I'm sure many of many of our community were as well. Um, but I always had loved baseball over football and over basketball, so it, it it's kind of hard to be a fan of other teams, I guess. Having been raised in kansas city be a baseball player and yeah. read the newspaper all the time especially with uh Posnanski and whitlock there too being such a nice contrast back then
1: yeah mm-hmm. who was who was the royals beat writer before dutton anybody know any idea uh, i think michelangelo actually that's yeah. a name <laughs> uh, is that an actual person
2: <laughs> Michelangelo, you know no, that I know the painter and the ninja, ninja Turtle But I was wondering if this is an actual no, no, that was, journalist No, that was a joke, that was okay. a pure joke. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, I really
1: don't Okay, No hey, idea And speaking of could completely unplanned segue uh, Matt, you interviewed Bob Dutton um, Tell us a little more about how that went Maybe, and kind of maybe an overarching view Of kind of, you know And you did this same series last year how does this right. get set up? Uh, what are your kind of favorite things, takeaways, kind of you know things you you, you like about the whole series that you're doing? Uh, yeah, so
2: um, I last year I had the I had the idea to uh, do an interview series based off of more or less the emotion of the Royals being in it again, you know, and um, and so what I did is you know I found a lot of people. Um, most, a lot, a lot of them t- turned out to be journalists. Um, like I got um, Sam Mellinger from the start right now, and uh, Joe Posnansky. Um and um, and uh, you know I, I, I also got Chris Kamler and uh, Sung Woo, which is pretty cool. But this year, I thought you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get a more diverse group of people, um, and uh, uh, yeah, get a get a more digru- diverse group and tailor the questions specifically to them um, as opposed to going with a, uh, more of a standard format. Yeah. But anyway, so um, yeah, Bob Dutton um, is the most recent. Um, I had uh, Mayor Sly James. Um, and these aren't super uh, in depth or um, really Difficult or crazy interviews like for, for Sly James, all I did was I emailed the, um, the, the mayor's office and then I got hooked up with the press secretary who uh, relayed questions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not like I don't sit down with them, unfortunately. But you know, the internet makes it sort of possible to send out an email and saying, Hey, here's some questions. Can you answer these? Um, and a lot of people, you know, they say yes because everybody loves the Royals. And um, next week, I will have Michael Stern of the the director of the Kansas City Symphony, who is um, has the best set of answers so far, um, and I'm really excited for that one. And then Mellinger's coming up, and then a couple more. Um, but uh, yeah, I who do you who else do you think that I should
0: interview? Well, I have a question, real quick. Yeah. Do you ask Michael Stern about his bet with the New York Symphony? Oh, of course. Over the yeah. World Series. Oh, yeah. Right
2: good yep yeah okay. i i did indeed yeah he and he has got some great great answers um he's a really 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 smart guy apart from being a great musician like you can just tell he's he was actually funnily enough he was uh a history um major his first uh bachelor's degree was in history and mm. then he decided to become oh. uh a, a musician so he's he's a really interesting dude um so excited for that!
4: Hmm. Um, I, I've got a guy that you could maybe try to interview. Okay, the the guy who holds up the W at the end of
1: Casey. Ah, yeah. yeah, Casey. Casey, yeah. the homeless guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. <laughs> Wait, what? He looks like a homeless dude. I, when, oh, okay. Well, when I first saw him up there, and they don't ever like announce. There's no press releases. Hey, we've now got this guy. I just said, <laughs> right? for some, was like, who's this guy with this W that jumped on top of the Hall of Fame?
0: Oh you know, he lives in the Hall of Fame and yeah. he eats old hot dogs. That's Casey.
1: You know. Yeah, Slugger sure. shoots him a hot dog out of the hot dog cannon once a night. Mm-hmm. That's his payment. No. Um <laughs> right. Case. straight into his mouth. Yeah. He um, hangs out with Kirk in their Hall of Fame there. I
0: mean I'd be I'd be interested to hear from like Nick Kinney. Yeah. Or huh. the uh uh groundskeeper.
1: Yeah, I I've, oh, I I've yeah. thought yeah. About that. Or yeah. La Fever would be cool. I mean, like, one of the mm. world's broadcasters would be kind of cool, if, yeah. if possible. Montgomery, maybe. Fever is
0: actually a really good interview. Yeah, I have spoken to him on several occasions through things. Yeah. Um, and he's... Uh, Tinder? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and he's actually, he's a really nice guy. And he's great to talk to. And he's actually got a really good story. And everything, you know, with his dad. And yeah, right. Trying to follow in his footsteps and his struggles and the yeah. company announcer and everything. So
1: yeah, if you can do an interview with him, uh, Matt, and he doesn't bring up Min- something Minnesota related, I think we're I think we're in business there. That's a true challenge, right there. All right, all right, I'll I'll, I'll try. Uh, so cool. So let's talk about uh, Lorenzo Kane. So Lorenzo Cain is going to be a Royal for the next. Well, he was going to be anyways, but um, he's now guaranteed that money for the next two years as opposed to going through arbitration. I don't know. This one, I think it signals kind of, well, it signals one thing, that it seems like, and we'll discuss both of these, um, it, it seems like the Royals are basically saying, we're going to let you go. Maybe not we're going to let you go, but we're going to at least cap your two years for now, and then maybe we'll talk about it. But it seems like to me they're kind of like, you know what, let's guarantee this money, shake hands and, and part ways. Um Agreed. Disagreed. What do you guys think about that?
2: But but they did the same with Hosmer last year. Yeah. 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 I. I guess I just don't understand why you would guarantee money to a player where should they get injured, you don't have to guarantee them. I just. I don't get it. I really don't. And it's not like they will have from um, that much of a money difference. Otherwise, the player wouldn't sign it in the first place. So I. I just don't get it.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they. I don't think that. Kane took a discount. It seems like that's right in line with what Kane's ARB numbers probably are going to end up being. Any, I mean, sure, he could have another MVP like season and bust out, but being more realistic kind of, it seems like that's basically what they were going to pay him in arbitration anyways, at least close to him.
0: Well, they were going to lose arbitration, I think, is is part of what, what happened. They wanted to guarantee, I think more so than next year, they really wanted to guarantee his money this year. And it probably became a a situation where Kane wasn't willing to take the kind of the the middle-of-the-road number for this year, which was 6.5. Because the Royals were going to arbitration with 5, and learns of Kane was going with 7.9, give or take. And I think it probably got to a situation where Kane wasn't willing to settle for less than that this year unless the Royals were willing to negotiate terms
1: for next year. Do you think he uh, really – do you think they really thought they were going to lose arbitration? And oh, I yeah. say this because teams Absolutely. don't normally lose arbitration for the most part. And it's obviously it's by an arbiter, but it seems right. like historically teams usually end up winning. Well, I, I think – they I mean based on
0: Kane's production in the last two years, um, being more le- – and, and just kind of becoming more of a popular figure – and everything just i mean his own his own field production alone yeah uh when you consider that he was what the ALCS MVP right from last year is that is that right yeah, that
2: this? yeah no that was that was last year
0: yeah yeah uh and, escobar was it a, was a this year right and finished uh top what was it? top 5 in player war for position players Top yeah, I was yeah, third in MVP voting, is that right? Yeah, finished third in MVP voting. Um I don't I don't I don't think there is a way that the Royals were going to not have to pay him the 7.9 or whatever the figure was that he was going to the table with. Right. So I think I think for them they wanted to get that number down this year but knew that they and then probably knew that they couldn't without guaranteeing money next year. Right, Uh, And the other thing about it is that it's also just kind of a good faith move on the part of organizations to say like, hey, instead of having to deal with arbitration next year, what if we just agree on a number right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's – I think it was more towards – and that's just my opinion and I understand your point. I think it was more towards next year they're worried about that another kind of breakout season because mm -hmm. he made what, 2.5 I think, something in that range – uh, last year, and now he wanted to bump up to seven, kind of like what Moustakis is trying to do. Um, yeah. so I think that they just wanted to be, they just wanted to cap his earnings essentially for the next two years, which makes sense, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think they're maybe worried about this year as much as they are next year. Uh, but I don't know. I, I kind of get you there, but yeah, definitely the good faith kind of makes sense. Kevin, come on, it's... chime in.
4: <laughs> I, I think it's just one less moving part for the future. Sure. It, it, It's a little bit of cost certainty. Um, I also think, uh, back to the point about teams usually winning arbitration cases, I I would think there's a little bit uh, of selection bias in there. that definitely, yeah. yeah. If if the player's going to win, the teams aren't going to let it get that far.
1: Yeah.
4: But, but, yeah, I I, I do agree that Kane would have won that case, I think.
1: Yeah, MLB yeah. trade rumors projected them for six point one, and they've got a pretty decent model. Um, six point one. He filed seven point eight. The team filed five. So, yeah, Kane was a bit wasn't quite a, the midpoint wasn't quite there for projection wise. So, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, what do you guys think of two? What do you guys think of Lorenzo Kane? What's he going to be twenty? He'll be thirty. Is he thirty coming up this season? I think he's thirty. Um, yeah. What's a what's a what's a five year Let's say he hits free agency. What's a five-year free agency contract? You think he breaks uh hundred and twenty million?
2: Uh, maybe. Like if he if
1: he was a free at this agent, rate? Right. No, 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 no. Uh, if he's a free agent upon free agency next next year, age
4: thirty-two. Is, is that is that the year when it's supposed to be the greatest free agent yes. history class in the history of that, whenever? Yeah, that's the Bryce yeah.
1: Harper. That's Donaldson. Yeah, that actually is. So right. that's kind of does. Yeah. So
4: Kane latest. could potentially land into a similar situation as Gordon where yeah. there are supposedly upper tier players above him and then he's sorta of left out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean he was seeking a six year deal. Yeah. Um news came out um in, in all the stocks that he was seeking a six year deal. Um he was seeking a six year extension, yeah. Shall we say with their oils, which is really interesting because you don't usually hear about players discussing or leaking that this player wants a specific, um, you know, amount of extension. But that doesn't seem usual. You know, you you hear about that other sources, but yeah, for the player to want to extend, um, that might show some sort of hesitancy in his free agent class. You know.
1: Yeah. So a six-year extension for Kane seems like. Uh, let's see. What would he settle for? Essentially. Um, 17.5 and arb. So I bet you could. I bet they're breaking 100 if they did a six. Uh, probably easily break 100. You think if they signed right now, signed a six-year, wipe away his arb that he's you know just uh, elected for, and just right now said, hey, you know what? Give me six years. What do you think it'll cost the Royals?
2: Yep, a lot of money. What's really interesting is, let's say that they don't re-sign Gordon. And you have Lorenzo Cain who wants the six-year extension. Do you think they would give that more credence, right? Because they have oh, all definitely. that Gordon money, right? Yeah,
1: like, definitely.
2: And instead of Gordon, you've got um, Cain as your as your guy. Um, and he's younger too. So I, yeah. I, I, I do wonder, like, is that a thing that could have happened?
1: Yeah. So would you rather have uh, – Josh, Kevin, Matt, everybody here. Would you rather have – uh Kane we'll say Gordon for four seventy two, what he signed. Well let's say Kane for seven. We'll try and double it. We'll do Kane for seven one forty. Uh, I'd,
2: <laughs> I'd
0: rather have Gordon.
2: Gordon.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. Or that
2: costs Gordon. However, at a lower That's cost let's say
0: 6120 one six, twenty. Sure, 6120
1: six, one twenty. That works. Sure.
0: I'd probably still go with Gordon. If I it was like six for one hundred five or six for one ten, yeah. I might have to actually think
1: about that. That's seventeen and a half million AAV. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, because of the you know he he does still have arbitration for two yeah. years, which I think brings down the AAV. Is it is it
1: the length or, length or is it the money you guys are worried about?
0: Uh, it's the money like. mostly. Money. Okay. But it's money because of the length. Yeah, no, definitely. He'd be, you know, 36, 37 by the end of that deal. Yeah. He doesn't have... I don't necessarily consider him injury-prone, but he does have, like... He has an injury history
2: beyond that of Gordon, who's been remarkably healthy in his career.
4: And how many games did he play in 2015? I think like Uh,
1: 140. No, 140? Okay. Yeah, 140 ish. And the thing, I thought it was a little less. Yeah, and I thought yeah. it was too. And the thing with that too is the reason that he has played in 140 ish games last year is because the Royals purposely took it slow on him. You know, what I mean, it's not like yeah. they said, "Hey, go out and play every game possible." They said, "Hey, we'll slow down because your legs yeah. are, are bad." Right. Uh, so they kind of yeah.
4: and if they have to do that now, yeah. And yeah, they also four years down the line.
0: Yeah, and they also uh, gave him a couple of games off at the end of the year. Yeah, kind of yeah. after Actually, they had wrapped everything up. They were playing Dyson-Rios, Dyson-Orlando a
2: lot. Yeah, and Gore had a couple of plate appearances, which is fantastic. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's oh. always fun. I hope um, I... Anyways, go ahead. Um. So just, I mean, just with, you know, kind of his previous injuries and the fact that the position that he plays is one of the more physically strenuous... Like, prob- I would say that center field outside of catcher is is probably the most physically demanding position, just with the amount that you have to run um, and just, you know, all the athleticism that's involved in it. So I I think there's a little bit to saying that maybe center fielders, I don't know if they don't necessarily age as well or anything like that. I don't have any, like... Know, figures or whatever, but I mean, Gordon's, like, training regimen is, like, legendary. So, that kind of plays into him being better when he's, you know, older, because he still, you know, trains so rigor- rigorously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure what Lorenzo Cain does to stay as physically gifted as he is. Um, uh, And there's also still kind of an opinion floating around that some of Kane's offensive production is sort of mirage esque um, because he requires like his batting average on balls in play is so ridiculously high. Yeah. uh, That there's always kind of a a fear that like it'll just just disappear. Yeah, he'll just have like a BABIP you know uh, that's more normative and will completely implode his offensive profile
1: yeah well and we kind of know speedier guys can run a higher babbitt and the kind of maybe counter argument to that opinion um not saying it's yours but it, it, people who maybe make that uh, argument is i mean kane's a guy what did he have he had a 380 babbitt in 2014 111 WRC plus his babbitt dropped by 20 or 33 points um and he had a 129 WRC plus, so he was an 18 percent better hitter despite a 40, basically a 40 point batter yeah. drop. So yeah, or a little less than 40. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't but know. I'm just,
0: just, just to kind of put a cap on it. Yeah. If they gave him Gordon's contract in addition to the two years they just guaranteed, I'd do that in a heartbeat. It'd sure. be like six for yeah. ninety. Like, oh yeah! If they, gave, if they gave him six for ninety, I'd be like, "Yeah, oh, definitely,
1: absolutely." Hey, yep. What do you guys think? <laughs> you mentioned the off-season conditioning um, with uh, Kane. What do you guys think? Seventy-year-old Alex Gordon is going to look like? I bet you that dude is still ripped, still has pecs of steel. Just Minda and uh, and Victoria Minx there are both <laughs> going to just be drooling still. I'd imagine. Yeah, you think?
2: <laughs> That's out your- of left field. Okay. Ah, anybody get the joke? Because he plays left field. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. So, I see what you did hey, there.
0: Um, yeah, well, instead of people making Jack Lane <laughs> jokes, they'll make Alex Gordon yeah. jokes.
1: So, <laughs> non-breaking, non-revelatory news. Uh We cut. We talked about beat writers with Andy McCullough leaving. Um, mm-hmm. Rustin Dodd. Is Rustin Dodd. He's going to be taking over. Yeah? Wait, what? Beat writer. Wait, yeah. did this... Um, that but, happened today. I, are you just making this up? No, seriously. No, he was, it's today. It was just on the Twitter. I just saw it on yep. the Twitter. Rustin Dodd's the new beat writer. Yeah, leaving, I guess he's leaving KU's beat. I can't imagine he's doing both. Um, But, yeah, he's going to do that. So, Rustin Dodd for uh, people who care about the World's Beat Writer, where, which I do.
4: Where do, Does he have dry sardonic wit? Are we going to get that no, still?
1: No, it's hard to top. You know what? We had yeah. two really good sarcastic... Jerks with Dutton and McCullough, mm-hmm. and I say jerks in a good connotation because <laughs> I love the, it. the good t- most wonderful connotation. Yes, right. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I follow Rustin on Twitter, but I don't really reckon I don't really notice his tweets. I guess so. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see. And for those of you listening and want another podcast, to listen to Andy McCullough was just on the Effectively Wild podcast, um, mm-hmm. which is Baseball Prospectus' daily podcast. So uh, he's got a lot of good takes on that. If you want to say farewell to Andy. Um, which we're all sad about. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and he was great. Yeah. And he, was great. he was fun. Okay. Uh, he never not bits... answer my emails, but he was great. <laughs> he never did answer <laughs> my damn Royals opt-out TV contract question. Which <laughs> he
0: he never responded to my tweets. Yeah. But...
1: Yeah. And I did like fifteen, twenty. I mean like 20, anyways.
0: Yeah, it was pretty intense.
1: Yeah. Actually, Sean, I, <laughs> I even
0: I even got the sc- i I got a screen cap of him uh, at the. Uh, what was it the winter meetings or the all-star game where they were having oh it was a uh, yeah it was the announcement for the all-star game with zach ranke and dallas keichel and oh, yeah. then the press conference ends and everybody kind of stands up and andy mccullough just like rises from beneath the camera and turns around and like looks at it <laughs> so i think i've was seen fun. that
1: He's probably wearing a uh, Uh button-down shirt, much like I wear often, button-down, long sleeves, Uh rolled up. That's exactly what I do. Andy's a good man. Uh Okay, cool. Um, Another big signing, and what might not be the final signing, but will probably likely be the final biggest signing. And I've talked so much to death to this already. I'm so tired of it already. But (laughs) Ian Kennedy is now a Royal. Uh, Ian Kennedy coming over from the San Diego Padres, um, formerly Diamondbacks, formerly Yankees, where he worked with Dave Island. Um, it's you know what maybe not maybe it hasn't been as decisive as I feel like it has but it feels like this one has been one of the signings where Gordon was universally universally loved this one's been a mm-hmm. lot more uh, dis- device- divisive not decisive divisive than kind of most signings yay nay
0: how divisive has it been yeah. should we take should we take a poll of podcasters right now yeah I'm going to <laughs> put a poll on this podcast. Uh, no, seriously. <laughs> oh, I'm not, okay, okay, gotcha. In the article. Well, I, I just wanted a yay or nay from everybody on here who may or Oh, might. I think yay.
1: It has been divisive. No, well,
0: not not whether or not you like the signing. Oh. Not whether or not it's been <laughs> divisive.
1: <laughs> That's what I thought you were asking. Um, no. It's a nay for me, dog. Okay.
0: Roop?
4: Nah, I'm going to have to go with nay.
1: Oh.
0: Right. Matt? I'm going to go with yay. And I also will go with yay. So.
2: Oh, it's
1: perfect. Yes. Well, there you go. Very divisive. Um, <laughs> hey, so Matt Lamar, you wrote you wrote an article on Beyond the Box Score, right, uh, about the Kennedy signing, or was that Kevin?
0: No, that was Matt Jackson.
1: Oh, Matt Jackson. Uh, ah. Yeah. Matt. We have too many good Royals writers. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and too many people named Matt and Kevin. Ah. Okay. So, Josh, and I'm not going to say your stance is optimistic, but your stance is on the skew towards in the realistic realm which I think everybody's operating in the realistic (laughs) realm for the most part I think you're skewed more towards the positive skew I would say Um, Uh tell me a little bit about what you like about Kennedy coming over as far as building off forgetting last year and moving a step forward this year
0: well the things that I like about Ian Kennedy are um, one his strikeout rate his walk rate yes uh, kind of his peripherals in general. I know that he had a... I don't know what you'd call it. It's not really a spike so much as a mountain <laughs> in, ter- in terms of his home run rate uh, last year. Um, uh, I, I like his profile overall, and despite the fact that last year was not good, um, I think at least in part, some of it owes to playing for San Diego and um, playing in Petco Park, which has now become some kind of weird, like, almost Great American Ballpark-esque uh, home-run platform, it seems like, ever since they moved fences in. And then lowered them, which is, you know, what you gotta do. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I also... One, he um, started the year really poorly uh, and ended the year pretty good. And the fact that he he started the year really poorly is because he started the year coming off of... Was it a hamstring injury or a groin injury? I forget which of those two it was. Um, Let's see.
1: Yeah, let's Google it. Um...
0: So in the first half, his... uh, his caper nine rate was eight point one and in the second half it was ten and a half. Hamstring, by the way. Hamstring. Okay.
2: Wasn't uh, he also on a different side of the rubber?
0: Yeah, they did hmm. some other like weird kind of tinkery things that you can read at at uh, Gaslamp Bowl, I believe, was the na- is the name of our Padres companion. Yeah, Gaslamp Ball. Gaslamp yep. Bowl. Um They wrote fairly extensively about Ian Kennedy basically throughout the entire year. Yeah. uh, And had a lot of really good information um, for people who are interested in trying to figure it out. But his his, uh, ERA in the first half last year was 4.91 in 84 and a third innings. His ERA in the second half last year was 3.64 in 84 innings. So his WOBA dropped by 50 points. His... uh, On base, given up, dropped by 25 or so. Um, And so I think there's a lot that says, hey, coming off an injury, they were messing around with his, you know, delivery. And I want to say his release point at some point. Um, And basically once they stopped doing all of that, um, he was, and after he got, you know, healthy, um, he was able to actually go out and pitch effectively. So those are reasons why I like it. I mean, also, and that's just from last year. I mean, it's really hard to, you know, parse one season down to first-half struggles, second-half success. But the year before that, he was also worth a little over three-and-a-half wins. Um, And so I think there's a lot there that is... that can easily build off of. On top of the fact that he's also... Moving to a new ballpark, which is good or bad for him, I'm actually kind of neutral on it. But the defense playing behind him is much better um, because the Padres were just freaking
1: terrible. Um, And Kevin, you're the dissenting opinion for the most part, well, alongside myself. But I, I seriously am so tired of talking about this from personally. Uh, um,
4: So yeah, yeah, I can I can talk about it for a while. Please. Um, I have. Though I did say nay, I have. I have a lot of, uh, yay and nay thoughts about the signing. So oh the nay part is, is something that you called out in your article, Sean. That he just gives up a lot of hard contact. Um, you know, read your article, Tony Blingito's article about on Fangraphs about it. It it just seems like Kennedy gives up a lot of hard contact, and there, there's just no way around that um on the other hand you know you mentioned josh mentioned the the defense thing um there's the ridiculous home run rate that he had that's probably going to regress um i think matt jackson's article beyond the box score was about that um i don't really want to speak for him though um after the signing, I will. I it, it was to,
0: definitely included. I will speak for him and say that he did talk.
4: <laughs> I mean, I only edited the article, so I, yeah. I should know about it. But anyway, Jackson
0: um, can come at me <laughs> if
1: I'm for him.
4: Time, time for a good old Pokemon battle, Canadian beatdown. Um, so, actually, this this morning, I had an article come out on Beyond the Box Score about Petco Park. That uh, sort of piggybacked a little bit on Jeff Sullivan's article about it at Fangraphs. Um, the the Homer thing is just crazy. That yeah. uh, since they moved the fences in, there's definitely been a home run increase. And you know, since they moved the fences in in right field, it's obviously been uh, a home run increase for left-handed hitters
2: right which would um, be worse against right-handed pitchers
4: yeah uh, of which the padres have many and uh, <laughs> their entire starting rotation last year was all right-handed they didn't have a single left-handed pitcher and i mean among the main five they i didn't look beyond uh, the main five guys catch russ shields Kennedy, Kennedy and Odrysimer Despine. Yeah, Despanya. I don't know how to pronounce Dispania. it.
1: Despanya. Despanya. Yes, Lasagna. Despanya. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that one. Yeah, and they're so, all right-handed. Yeah. Um, and, but basically, in, in the article, I found that roughly like 30 percent of home runs in in 2010 to 2012 uh, were uh, from right-handed or from left-handed hitters. Then from 2013 to 2015, 45% of home runs at Petco were from left-handed hitters. And there was also an increase of pitches thrown to lefties, but there wasn't that much of an increase to to account for such a large increase in home runs hit by lefties. So obviously the fence has the effect that we would expect it to have.
1: Yeah. And I thought Um, it was, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, My bad.
4: Um, in, in Kennedy's, um, you know, I, I just looked at one year for this, but his, uh, home run rate or home run per fly ball rate to lefties in Petco last year, you know, if we're getting pretty granular. specific with yeah. that, was, uh, 28%. But his away home run rate versus lefties was about 11%. Uh, home run per fly ball rate. So, that's a huge split that's you know probably not going to last, yeah, so that's that's kind of a reason for optimism. I, I think in the end, with the park change, with the various things that were going on in Petco, it could work out. He's yeah, obviously got the defense. He gives up the hard contacts, so I feel like it comes down to this if the hard contact falls into a glove great he's probably going to have a low era maybe beat his peripherals if the hard contact doesn't find a glove we're in a lot of trouble and i feel like that's a lot of money to give to someone who's who could really go either way
1: sure
4: that, that's i think why i feel a bit negative about the deal overall
1: yeah, and for the listeners, um, just a quick brief overview. And, Kevin, you did some research. Let me know if I miss anything. Petco in 2013, they did they did pretty much wholesale movements on almost the entire outfield, right? That's the big year they moved a ton of stuff.
4: Not From what I saw in, in, when they moved it in 2013, it was a little bit in left center where the bullpens are. Hmm. But the vast majority was in right field where right. it was just a blanket 11-foot. right. Okay, But they didn't move left field at all right. from so, what I saw.
1: Them. Yeah, so, okay, I was thinking they did everything. So, 2013, there was movement. They lowered the walls, I think, as well in 2013. Right, but, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and then nothing happened in 14. but then this past year, uh, left field. They brought left field, left field in three feet, dropped the wall one foot. But a, a couple things as well that uh, I was reading the Gaslamp Ball again, by the way, listeners, if you – Want to read about the Padres for whatever reason? Definitely go uh, to the ESPN. For Nation. whatever
2: reason, yeah.
1: um, no, I don't. I don't say that condescendingly. But I, know, I know it just yeah. came. I just was thinking if you <laughs> want to read about them. If you want to go read about the Orioles, go to Canvin Chat. Um, but yeah, but they uh, they wrote a lot about this as you guys had as you mentioned there, Kevin, and um, they were going over. I mean, Petco. They brought left field in, lowered the wall in left field. They added a scoreboard in left field. Um, one of the players said that kind of marine layer is no longer there. Um, at least her hat wasn't this year. And then they behind left field, there's this new skyscraper as well. So there was a lot that was going on that it's kind of tough, I think, to get an understanding of, okay, this is Petco now, uh, more so maybe just one-year noise. But it does make sense. It's a lot of things that plugged in that then output what you would expect it to output. So the kind of question of sample size might not be legitimate because – that things happened the way we thought things kind of were going to happen. However, I do wonder if the spike that just happened this year, just because really all they did was move in left field, essentially, if that really, you know, bumped up for it to be a home run park that much. Is, a, you know, a three-foot increase, a three-foot decrease, I should say, uh, changed things? Because Kennedy had an above-average fly ball rate in 2013 as well, not as high as the 17%, uh, yeah. but it was 13 I think it was 13%. Um, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I mean, so there's just a lot. It, it's really complicated. It, it, and that's kind of what I agree with on there.
4: Yeah, it's a lot of money for a yeah. complicated situation.
1: Sure, sure. And um, a thing that I, in my article, that I didn't actually end up putting in, but um, I kind of looked at similar guys, free agents in age, um, and their three-year track record. Why three years? Because three years and my dog keeps sneezing. Holy cow. Um, three years and... He fits in almost lock and step with um, who was it? I think it is yeah, it's Bud Norris actually, which is very really? strange. Um, but Bud Norris and he and Kennedy have a similar three-year average, a similar 2015, a similar 2016 projection. Kennedy's only a year older, yet Bud Norris got one year 2.5. Kennedy, of course, got five seventy with an opt out with a with a QO draft pick loss too. So I don't know. That's kind of my point. But what do you think, Matthew? Um,
2: I, I, I like the deal because um, it's basically service level. A couple of things. First of all, he's a strikeout guy, and the Royals are an excellent defense. So the fewer balls that he allows into uh, into the defense, the defense already converts a lot of those. So the fewer that he, he gets into the defense, the better. Second part is, because of that defense, there would be fewer people on the board. It's not just home runs. It's the amount, the because the, if you give up 70 solo home runs, that's a lot different than giving up 70, I... 70 Grand Slams, you know. Um, so I think that the Royals defense will limit the amount of base runners there are in general, and which means we'll see um, fewer... Multi-run home runs from him, and then also, I just think he's a good fit with the uh, with Kauffman Stadium. You know, it's
1: with especially with Dyson
2: playing right field if he is going to play a lot of right field, which is its own you know sort of thing. We hope. So. Hopefully, yeah. Um, that's a that's a crazy good defense outfield defense. Like seriously good. I I looked I looked uh, in a comment to of, I think, a rumbling. So I, I went and I looked at the defensive runs saved of the Royals' top four outfielders. Um, that'll be here next year compared to the um, the Padres' top four outfielders. And the difference was like 50 runs just for the outfielders. And that's, that's huge. And for a guy and a team that's apparently built on fly balls, um that's really good. I think the Royals might have sort of stumbled onto something kind of magical here. Um, here's
1: here's a question though. Do, what's the point of having a good outfield defense if the ball just goes over the wall?
2: Well, every fly ball is not turning into a home run.
1: And no true. He's a fly ball
2: pitcher. So that, that is a good point. You do have a good point, but, um, coffin stadium is pretty big. And, um, It'd be one thing if we played in, like, I don't know, Yankee Stadium, and they got Ian Kennedy, then it was like, okay, not so not so great. Right. But,
1: you know. Does um, um, does he give up? Let me look. Does he give up a lot of line drives? That's what I was wondering because I'm curious on if his hard. And that's the problem with Kaufman is line drives usually turn into doubles and triples there. And so that's what right. I'm wondering. Does he give up a lot of line drives? Is, that, is, is his hard contact, hard contact fly balls, which usually, you know, if go is, I think they usually go as outs uh, for the most part, but does he give up a lot of line drives? Let's... Uh,
0: it's 22%. So yeah, I think the average
1: is like 20%, I want to say. Um, so, not so bad. Okay. I was thinking he... Uh, that's that's one concern, but that was a quick off-the-cuff concern. So, okay. He, he
0: also has given up... I mean, his career rate in home runs per fly ball is 10.7%, which is basically average.
1: Yep, yeah, but his home runs per nine is well above average. So it's kind of there's there's different ways to look at it. I think.
0: Fun with looking at
1: splits, by the way. Oh yeah, hit it, hit I'm it up. Sitting sitting
0: here staring at Ian Kennedy splits. Go. Two of his worst months by hard contact percentage were June and July of last year, where he gave up over thirty seven percent hard contact. Hmm. Wow. In in those two months, his ERA was. Two
3: point three
0: and three point three. Hmm. Two point three one and three point three eight.
1: Would the home runs look like?
0: Uh, he gave
1: up on the fly. You can do fly ball. You know, home run fly ball. Per yeah.
0: He, oh, uh, the home run. He gave up eleven home runs in sixty innings across those two months. Does it Jeez, give you the HR
1: lot. FB, the home run per fly ball? Uh, no? let's see. i was think I'm thinking. Home if, runs. Home runs per nine. That's fine. What is that? One one point
0: two nine in June, one point eight four in Ooh, July. Cool. One
1: point eight four bad. One point two one is kind of is not is a little bit higher than his career average, but um, mm-hmm. okay. So you guys uh, are saying it's oh
0: here it is okay. home run per fly ball. Uh, fourteen point seven percent in June, sixteen point two percent in July. Okay. Hmm. So he was giving up more than average home runs, oh, definitely. but uh, okay. for some reason his hard contact was not. Yeah producing negative results. By contrast, was, yeah. in May, he gave up 33% hard contact and his ERA was
1: 6.4. I wonder if it was a lot of solo <laughs> home runs against bases loaded home runs for the most part yeah. or not bases loaded but men on. Okay. Well, right. so he's complicated. Yeah. Uh Yeah.
0: He's he's like Chris Young but not freakishly tall. Yeah. <laughs> and can so. actually strike out people? Yes. Yeah. So he's not really like Chris Young at all. Yeah. <laughs> outside of the fact that like maybe his profile is more more complicated yeah. than looking at you know contact and home runs
4: and He, he like. doesn't get the pop-ups that Chris Young does.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Which, true. Um he doesn't induce very many mustaches. Yeah. Mustachioe.
1: Mustachioe guy. The Moustakai. What? Yeah. Gosh, I can never think of the word. The octagon. Not the octagon. Whatever it is. You know what it is, Josh. What's... Do I? He's always turning the corner, which makes him a... Oh, dodecahedron.
4: Dodecahedron. Dodecahedron. Yeah, yeah, that's do-deca-hedron. It
1: okay.
2: Yeah, that's... that's and I post the gif of that, that thing spinning. Yeah, that, that, that's my thing. Okay, it, that's you. Yeah. I stick
0: that was... Did, that's... Yeah, Sorry. no, that's, that's a Lamar thing. Sorry, Lamar. Um, yeah. Hey. Right. They also just call it a moose-up. Moose-up. <laughs> Instead of a pop-up, it's just called a
1: moose-up. So, Royal Zips are out. Um, and a lot of the kind of cool stuff on that. Now, let me, all right, big, in the air, I'm drawing a big asterisk. So for listeners who are listening to this and for readers who read about the Zips, for the most part, projection systems do not predict players to be six, seven win players. So just chill out if you think the Royals are under projected. Systems just don't do that for the most part, unless you are Mike Trout, you know, um, which brings my first point. <laughs> what do you guys think of as far as the zips go? Um Best Player looks like it's gonna be Lorenzo Cain, and here's that asterisk. Uh three point six uh Zwar, uh Mr. Dan Zimborski's War. Um I think there's a solid beat on that. I think that's I think that's low. Not by that much, but I think that's low.
2: Sure. I'd say probably at least four. Yeah. But um yeah, the zips in general is not um does not really respect defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just zips, but projection systems, because defense is mm-hmm. so hard to... Um, quantify. Quantify, and from year to year it can vary you know, quite a bit. So since you need multi-year samples for defense, it makes sense for the projection systems to not really be that heavily influenced by defense. However, when you've got a bunch of players like the Royals do, who are defensive wizards... Um, you know, then that's an issue for projecting the team's win totals.
1: Yeah, do you guys do you guys know if Dan uses? I, f- I feel like he uses ERA for his pitcher war. Does that sound right? Uh, I, I think he uses uh raw nine actually. Right. Okay. Good. Good
0: man.
2: So, so close enough.
1: So uh, earn runs in a, in a way. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, because unlike most projection systems, who usually underrate relievers. Um, he's got Wade Davis' one, one and a half wins, which is a very good reliever season, um, which I would take that, rather than I think he was like 0. .8 or something per Steamer. Um,
2: do you guys oh, have he'll, be, he'll be better than that.
1: Yeah, no, a 0. .9 is what Steamer has him. So, yeah, I think... He'll be better
2: than 1.5, too. I, yeah. Okay,
1: I agree. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, well, he, and they, I mean, I forget.
0: I'd have to look it up, but I feel like his his... It's interesting because um, his projections for the royal for the bullpen historically have come out to be pretty accurate. I feel, uh, except for, I don't I don't think he gives enough weight to kind of the top three guys as it's been in the past. Just um, spe- like you know Herrera, Davis, and Holland last year and the year before that, like. Um, I feel like his overall projection system was accurate in, like, gauging the Royals' final, like, war total for the bullpen, Hmm. but it only ended up being that way because they had, like, four guys throw, like, six innings apiece and give up 12 runs and all accrued, like, negative war value that brought down the total of the guys who, you know, actually, you know, pitched consistently. So... I don't know. There's it's uh, what is it? This year he has him projected for three wins from the bullpen altogether.
1: Uh, depth chart looks like three. Yep, from, yeah. including uh, Louis Coleman and Scott Alexander. Uh, right. Well, and
0: he and he didn't have. Did he or did he not include Alex Gordon?
1: I forget. He did not. No, he, he yeah. would have included him in the actual... Yeah, he wouldn't include him in the in the diagram, but in the actual projection, he's there.
4: Yeah. Um
1: But, yeah, he would have been out of the diagram. But in the Zips page on Fangraphs, Gordon is yeah. in there. Yeah. Right. So, and he's got Gordon as a three-win player, 3.1, which right. I would take pretty easily, I think. Um, hey, here's yeah. one that I think is strange. Maybe not strange, but here's one that I'm very skeptical of. Um, Salvador Perez so we'll go year by year uh, 2012 2.3 wins next year 3.7 next year 3.1 next year 1.6 so two straight years of decline and then looks like Steamer and Zips pick him as a three win player again You mm-hmm. know, a big bounce back a double his value essentially you guys yep. take the over under on that I think I'd take the under in my opinion I'll,
0: I'll take the under yeah
4: I'll take okay. the under
1: Come on, Matt.
4: Such a sad uh, thing to say.
0: Push.
2: Mm. Push. Okay. Push. Push. I think that's that that's reasonable. Well but,
1: I mean, yeah,
0: uh, it, I mean he was he was an over three win player for two thousand fourteen and two thousand thirteen. So yeah. it's not Yeah. And you know, in two thousand twelve he was worth two point three when he only played in seventy six games. So I, I, I think don't it's like a, the trend. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a reasonable play. guess, but the trend is certainly not in his favor.
1: What's the weighting? Is it 3-2-1? Is that the usual weighting for the years? Or how do you... Is it is it a different number than I'm thinking of? Anyone know?
0: Are you talking about... Oh. For projection for how, systems. How's Zimborski?
1: Yeah, Josh. Well, any... It, just overall. There's a way to do it. I think you weighed it like... The uh, most recent year gets three times the weight. Second most recent gets two times the weight. You know, as far as for projections, does that not sound? That doesn't sound crazy to me. Sure, let's okay. go with it. That exists. All right, you guys just take me for my word. All right, I. Yeah, positive. I mean there
0: are, there are projection systems that do it differently. Some of yeah. them do it on a like last year gets one hundred percent consideration. The year before that only gets eighty. Mm-hmm. The yeah. year before that only gets 50. Yeah, like, Scott,
1: Scott McKinney, if you listen to this, please leave in the comments because I know he knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I think – yeah, I, I think overall – and this is a great question uh, posed in the comments today, which would be uh, January 19th. So probably yesterday if you listen to this. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you guys think the Royals went to – right now – and I know, Matt, you called me out for doing this and I won't do it this time, <laughs> I promise – What's the Royals' win total at this point in the season? Forget about future moves. What's the – and, you know, assume everything goes fine in spring training. What's the Royals' uh, win total, you know, at the end of the season right now?
2: 90. I say 90. 90 90 even.
1: I
0: was going to say 86.
1: Kevin?
4: I'll go with 88.
1: Man, I was going to
0: say 84.
1: I think 84 sounds reasonable.
0: But I'm – See? There
1: you go. We're all two games apart. Yeah. The standard deviation. Um (laughs) – Okay, well. We can even. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, another thing that happened, and I'm, I don't have this pulled up, but uh, Baseball America, they released their top ten Royals prospects. Um, let me get it pulled up because that's really bad. I didn't have it. So uh, I know for sure that um, Royal Monesey was, again, the number one prospect.
0: Um, Which I don't agree with. But, yeah,
1: okay. there's got to be some prospect fatigue almost going on with him. Uh,
0: well, I mean, it's also talking about Perez and trending in the wrong direction. Sure. Like the most noteworthy thing about Raul Alberto Montesi that's happened in his career is that he made his debut in the World Series, yeah. and you can kind of scrap everything that's and struck happened.
1: out. Yeah. Well, him being born in 1996 or whatever is also 95 was. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing that's really
0: that that certainly know. that certainly is what. That's what keeps you having hope, yeah, for the most part. But know. at this point, I would easily put Zimmer ahead I of see If, if um, but I, as we have discussed many times before, Sean, that I uh, weight proximity to the majors
1: a lot heavier sure. than maybe I uh, would. Yeah, most people do. Hey, um, I don't know. I think Montesey's Elvis Andrews eventually, um, but. I don't know, but I still no no no. I don't say I think he is. I think I think the eighty percentile, um, whatever outcome is, Elvis Andrews. But the medium <laughs> one is a lot less. Up oh, dog, and that's not my dog, listeners. It's usually my dog that I yell that.
4: that that those are mine.
1: That's Roops. <laughs> um, so let's just go down the list, and we don't have to talk about each one. But uh, so Monsey was one. Zimmer was two. I can't believe Bubba Starling was three, but he was three, and this is a good one. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Almonte, Watson, Russell, Gasparini, Strom, Blewett, and Cuthbert. Um, I think one of you guys voiced a strong opinion against my opinion where I said, man, Bubba Starling just doesn't feel like the number three player in this organization, but someone Mm -hmm. had a good point. Who would you put ahead of him? Um, And... That's yeah. To the weakness of the system, I guess.
2: Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that's. I think you're quoting me. I think. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's not that Bubba is that awesome. Although I think he's a pretty good bet to be uh, useful in the major leagues. Like I think he'll at least be a pretty decent fourth outfielder, which is not
0: yeah. a nothing. You know, um, yeah. given prospect failure rates. Yeah, it's not. It's Scott. not nothing. Scott McKinney.
2: Yeah. Um uh-huh. Yeah, but he's, he's just not, he's he's not very, yeah. It, number three is not, not not very good. Yeah. That, that signals something. That's that's well, about the system. And if yeah. you go down, like, the list of Royals prospects, like, they don't really have a pitcher in the lower minors who's just tearing it up. All of their pitchers have some issue. All of their hitters have some issue. Yeah.
0: Um, th- I just
2: don't know who you would put ahead of, Of him,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the big thing to remember when we're discussing Royals prospects for this offseason and for next year, and probably the year after that, um, especially when it comes to rankings from you know Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus or any of those, which is due out
1: next week, by the way, most people.
0: Bubba Starling is number three in a system that traded five guys that would probably all be ahead of him. Oh,
1: definitely, right.
0: So, so being number three in the royal system right now is probably closer to being towards the bottom of the top 10 in like an average-ish kind of farm system yeah maybe yeah Um, uh
4: it's definitely not the greatest farm system in the history of whenever
0: no No. not anymore no they all graduated yeah, or died um, off, and then so. won a World Series, so yeah, pretty, pretty decent outcome. And played and played in another one. Yeah. So
1: yeah, if this was the Tigers system, I think Starling might be the number one or number two. And you know <laughs> the what? Tiger no, Tigers system is terrible. And in the, the Royals, I mean, seriously, in it, it makes sense that they've gone, they've gone from arguably the number one all-time system to at this point, point, twenty third, twentieth. I mean, back. Yeah. Ten, definitely yeah, at this point, easily. Um, which, World, yeah, World I, Series ring, yeah. That's and that's the point. That's the reason why is because a lot of <laughs> uh, graduations, which is good. Which is the point. Right. Um, not everybody can just be the um, the I don't know the Cardinals or you know. Not everybody can just reload, reload every year and still be good on the field. Um, so okay, I was just thinking. In,
0: yeah, I mean, like in looking at BA's list, I mean. I probably would have tried to make room for Ryan O'Hearn hmm. at number ten ahead of Cuthbert. There
1: was a there oh, was a writer on the website that wrote about Ryan O'Hearn. I think a year or two ago to say like keep watching him. Do you guys remember who that was?
4: uh uh-uh. uh Nope.
1: Okay. All right. I guess, but they, I they mean,
0: gets, Cuthbert that probably. Joke. Okay. Cuthbert probably gets the edge just for proximity's sake. But I mean Watson and Russell at five and six is kind of also an indicator, considering the season or lack of season sure. that both of them had. And the fact that, you know, they're still fit into the middle of the top ten behind guys that are either closer to the majors than they are or have had prospect status in the, in the past. And ahead of guys that are just kind of yeah. don't necessarily have pedigree, but uh, are, you know, kind of making strides.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to explode if I don't say it. It was actually me that wrote that article. That's kind of what I was joking about. Um, but um, <laughs> one thing that is sad is and Foster Griffin, the Royals first round pick in 2014. Yeah, 2014. Um, he's gone. I mean, he's off the top 10. I don't think he'll make my top ten. He might make, I think my top fifteen. But um, yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of, I don't know. That was that's been a pretty bad pick for the most part. Um, who? Well, and he, Hunter Dozier's yeah, gone. Yeah, right. So. Dozier, right. I was thinking the previous year, Mania's gone. Dozier's been, you know, poor. Um, it seems like in when he, and then they took uh, Ash Russell uh, with their first pick, and Ash Russell's very very divisive. Um, not decisive very divisive Uh, a lot of people think he's a reliever a lot of people think he's a starter the royals obviously think he's a starter so it seems like they had that year of like and of course they drafted much higher uh, but they had all these great picks built a great farm system for several years and then now all of a sudden they've maybe missed on three straight years three straight first round picks for the most part Mm -hmm. so you guys think drafting is hard uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It's it's incredibly it, hard. It's yeah. Incredibly hard. A bit. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like playing first base. Tell him wash. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that was good. And uh, yeah, and I always go back to uh, back when I was writing at Pine Tar Press. Shout outs to David Lesky and yeah. company. Um, I did a comparison and Hunter Samuels. Why not? I know that guy. So, um, what about Clint? Eh. Yeah, it's fine. What about
1: um, a- a- Allen, <laughs> Aaron
0: Allen? Uh, I actually don't know him. No, oh, okay. that's the one guy that I I don't know. Um, but I did a a comparative analysis of the Royals farm system, and this would have been back in 2012 thereabouts, like before Hosmer and Mustakis and all those guys had graduated. Essentially, um, comparing the Royals farm system to teams that are considered to be the best at uh, drafting and promoting guys. So it was the Cardinals, the Rangers at the time, and the Rays. And looking at all of them comparatively, the difference between the Royals and those three teams, like specifically the Tampa Rays, the difference between the Royals and the Rays when it came to drafting was Evan Longoria. Hmm. Like just yeah. having one guy yeah. who was really really good um and it was similar for the Rangers the Cardinals were the only one that was kind of like they're getting production from a lot of different sources yeah um not top tier production like they weren't getting Evan Longoria numbers from anybody but they were getting you know two win seasons out of four different guys fairly consistently
1: yeah they could pull out Um, a Tyler Lyons or I think Tyler Lyons is his name um or Kevin not Kevin Sykrist, whatever Sycrice's name yeah I mean they could pull out all these pitchers that kind of came out of, or even Michael Waka I mean Michael Walker was yeah. a, a mid Carlos Martinez Carlos Martinez right. uh, I mean these guys weren't number one overall yet Waka almost won a Cy Young I think and you know right. he like a 15th round pick or 15th overall pick excuse me yeah, um, so, yeah.
0: Um, good. so other than the Cardinals I mean and it would change now actually if you look at the Royals compared to teams that are considered to be really good at, you know, drafting guys. And if you look at the last, you know, five years, um, the Royals are actually higher than those guys. And it's just because, you know, yeah. the players that they drafted, you know, made it. And were productive. So it's, it's, it's an ebb and flow kind of thing. But, uh, one, I think the Royals have improved... A lot in terms of drafting and scouting, um, and their international, you know, base is still really strong despite uh, limitations that have been put on recently. Uh, and two, um, I think it's just kind of a matter of time, more or less, when you're better or when you're good at drafting, and you know, maybe signing you know, minor league free agents and things like that. That they will actually become productive. Yeah,
1: years. which is going to be at a bit of a slowdown, um, at least for this year and next year. The you know the Royals um, went over their draft pool bonus, uh, so mm-hmm. they can't sign yeah. any player for the next two years in the July two signings uh, for more than three hundred thousand, which essentially rules them out of the mid to high level talent. And then of course they will be with two less draft picks. The, their first two draft picks. Well, I'm sorry, their first draft pick. They're hypothetically second draft pick with signing Gordon, which we can't really worry about that much. But they mm-hmm. won't have their first round pick. They won't pick until sixty sixth overall, I believe, or somewhere in that range. So, um, yeah, right, because
0: they don't they don't do the competitive balance picks anymore, do they? No, they do. But the Those... Royals,
1: for some reason, they I think they won the very first pick the very first year, and then, right, yeah. I don't think then they won the next year, but I don't think they won one last year or even two years ago or this year. I think they've been without that pick for.
0: I wonder if they, I wonder if they do something where it's based on win loss record in turn. But also <laughs> yeah. you know, they compare yeah. market
1: size and things like they're that. They're in it. No, no, yeah, they're in it. They just didn't win but the lottery. In it. They it, just didn't win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, simple as that. Um which yeah, which is but of course, you know, yeah, the Cardinals want it. Um I think the Diamondbacks wanted a you know, the team that just signed Grinky for two hundred million dollars, they they definitely need a CBL pick, um right. to, you know, make it competitive. You don't want those small market teams, you know, like the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know hurting so uh, okay so that's good Um, uh, quick hits and then let's wrap this up Uh, you guys have kind of fulfilled your obligation here Um, Cologne versus Infante there was a bit of uh, I think McCullough or Flanagan talked about this Um, seems like Infante might not be the surefire guy uh, for second base I think we'd all rather have Cologne let's just put this baby to bed everybody agree that we'd rather have Cologne start at second base or Infante no, actually, I think Infante should start.
2: Okay. And not because of production. Okay. Um, I think Cologne's better, but I Loyalty? think Infante should start. No. Um so Infante's on his third deal, he's been utterly terrible in the first two. And he's and so he's been his trade value has been zero. Zero trade value for Infante. However, if He can just squeeze out a bounce-back season and sort of pitch it that, you know, he had surgery, he's healthy, here's his bounce-back season, he puts up a good season. Somebody is probably going to take maybe, you know, somebody like Infante, a, um, you know, a one-year veteran for, you know, $8 million or whatever he's making, you know, for a team who loses somebody to injury or something. Somebody was probably going to take that 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 in a trade. Yeah. And that does not happen unless he has value, and he cannot get value if Cologne is starting. So yeah, it's a bit of a long longer um, longer term decision that I think. But um, you know, that's you want to trade Infante and you want to get rid of that contract. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Do you
4: do you think that Infante's bounce back season has to be something really really uh, good or at least above average as opposed to uh, roughly equivalent to what he's being paid in order to regain value?
2: Oh, he. Does, I mean, he doesn't. He's got one year left, and the rows could kick in money. He just needs to be not terrible. Um, you know, I don't know. Even if he's like a one win player at this point,
1: um, which might be optimistic.
2: Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like here's like a one point two, one point five win player, um, and the Royals kicking a couple million. Like here's a second baseman for free for five million dollars. You know, that's, that's 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 tradable. That's easily
1: tradable. Well,
4: yeah. So, I mean, it'd be it'd be nice to be able to to buy a prospect essentially by throwing in some money.
1: But. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Diamondbacks did that with Aaron Harang, who arguably is just as bad at baseball pitching wise as Infante is at. Um, non whatever fielding hitting wise and second you know base what? wise yeah yeah and you know what and Aaron orang had i want to say 11 million left on his deal um omar <laughs> fonte's got 7.8 plus 8 he's got 15.8 16 million essentially left on his contract as well yeah um, he's got to so,
2: rebuild some value so you yeah. can trade him but think, and so but oh, if he's terrible still. then you can start cologne and feel great about it
1: yeah but they had to include Tukey Toussaint, so it wasn't like... they. Just right, like, I was yeah. going to say... Like... My Yeah, my mind was backwards. I don't know why I was thinking they traded <laughs> I mean, him for two like, Toussaint. It was the
4: Braves who bought the prospect. Yeah,
1: right, right. There was, there was a guy in that trade. Yeah, there, I know. Probably. I don't know why I was thinking of that. Because I was thinking yeah, that yeah. they got Toussaint for two seconds. That's why my mind no, was next yeah. up. Um, no. Well, but lots yeah. of things well, happen. But it's not inevitable I, that they couldn't trade him away and kick in money for literally... The Tigers' 30th best prospect. You know, the worst yeah. prospect in the worst system, I think, would be fine. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Tigers. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I mean, it is a pretty bad system. Yeah, sorry, bless um, you, boys.
0: But, uh, yeah, okay. if you want to read about the Tigers, go to bless you, boys. Yeah,
1: we give rats um, to
0: everybody. I, I feel like this is another one of those kind of, like, baseball PR things where it's like, hey – Thanks for getting the surgery. Now we're going to tell everybody that, like, there's second base competition because we want you to actually try and not suck, you know? So, like, I, I feel like this is more of the Royals motivating Infante, like, at least at this point. I mean, obviously, if he, you know, comes out and hits 220 in April and... Is getting on base at you know, two twenty like he was last year. That um, it's 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 I mean it's very possible that they start Cologne in May you know like if Infante is just terrible but uh, r- like right now I don't think they're really committed to the idea of like an actual second base competition so much as they're wanting to put pressure on Infante to. Not suck so hard.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Let's yeah. stop talking about Omar Infante. I really don't care about him at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, um, two more quick hits. Um, one, Ned Yost did Flanagan say it as well? I think Flaney said it. Um, he's well, he quoted Ned Yost saying that Alcides Escobar is going to lead off again this year. Why? Uh, Yost is just describes as saying. Hey, it just works for us. That's proven now. So there's, picture this: there's some universe where the amount of evidence needed to prove something is non-existent, minuscule, non-existent. Ned Yost's universe that LCD Escobar works as a leadoff hitter. Is this I, is this killing everybody else? Is this crushing your soul as much as me? Or am I just crazy here? Yeah, it is what it well, is.
4: If you, <laughs> uh, if once if a game he. Smacks a double on the first pitch.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, if he goes one for four every okay. game, that, I, okay, I can live with that.
4: Hooray, two fifty. Um,
0: if you want, if you want a really good indicator of how how colored your vision can get from a World Series victory, Yo, yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely forgot that LCD's Escobar weighted runs created plus last year was sixty something.
1: Uh, yeah, leading off it was sixty eight WRC plus. It was a lot what,
0: better than playoffs, though. To be fair. True, it was much better in the playoffs. But what what I mean is, like, I was having a conversation with uh, Michael Ingle on Twitter um, about guys who would are likely to receive qualifying offers after 2017. Uh, so, you know, Kane, Moustakis, Hosmer, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all going to get QOs. And then we started talking about other guys, and Alcides Escobar came up, and I was like, yeah, he'll probably get a qualifying offer and then i actually looked <laughs> at escobar's stats again from last year and i was like yeah uh ah, maybe not no nope. there's probably a really good chance that he's never getting
1: a qo maybe maybe but, he like could, yeah maybe he could convince a team like hey jolton simmons gets just almost as good as i do for the most part and he got uh yeah, whatever that, and Dalton Simmons is also A better
0: defender. Yeah. yeah. A better defender than But
1: us. I'm talking come on. But, come on. Yeah. Give me, give, give give mean, me a bone here.
2: Alright. I'm yeah. trying
1: to make L C D S bar a lot of money. I'm trying to do something right. good for another human.
2: Yeah, but he's uh, not a good shortstop. Yeah. Like that that's the thing. People don't want to hear it. Yeah. He's not a good shortstop. He's like a career if you want to go by War. He's a career not like WAR one you know, yeah. point seven, which is below the league yeah. average of two. And it's mm-hmm. not like shortstops get like a special commendation and get a pat on the back for, yeah. you know.
4: Well, 1.7's not, not really that different from 2.
1: Yeah, I yeah. would think that's accurate. But it's, I mean it's it's What's
2: not it? good. He's, I'm not saying he's terrible or bad. He's well, not a good yeah. shortstop.
4: He's it, he's good it's defending. It's acceptable.
0: Yeah, I mean he's, he's the he's the Ian Kennedy of shortstops, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like his WAR last year was 1.5, and the year before that was 3.3, 3, and the year before that was one point one point one. Yeah. So he's had two bad seasons, but Two-ish. not not really bad. Yeah. Just like better than getting Yeah. Uh, like uh, yeah. Sandwiched around one season that was like
1: oh that's actually you know. Hmm, but it just bad. feels like he's in the top ten for shortstops, and this is this is without looking at the stats. Just because. For some reason, like, D.D. Gregorius pops in my head. Um, what's yeah, but his doesn't
0: name? He, doesn't he even play second base now? Didn't they move him, the Yankees?
1: See. Let's see who the batting, the shortstop leaders are for 2015.
0: I uh, mean, like, Correa's there. Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Lindor.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. No, and I mean, yeah. he's not top and five. Then,
0: but... Like, Lindor and Correa are the two that would probably be like, eh, those are the best. Yeah. But like Surprisingly, it, like
4: yeah. Kettle Marte for the Mariners mm-hmm. is was good too.
0: Yeah. but like it's it's we're long past like the late nineties, early two thousands, Alex Rodriguez, Nomar Garcia, Miguel Tejada period. Mm-hmm. Although we might be there again with Lindor
1: and Correa, yeah, because those guys are and Brandon Crawford. I mean, a lot of guys that they know he's not that young. Crawford's not as young as them, but um, yeah, I mean, if you sort by the past. We'll just say the past two years. Um, Alcides Escobar, 4.8. fr, and Droughton Simmons, 5.2. So about a half one better. But he's better than Xander Bogarts, Jose Reyes, Jimmy Rollins, Drupal Cabrera. Of course, those guys are older, too. um, But he's, you know, sixth overall. So I think he could probably convince a team that he's not as good as Simmons, but he's better than maybe other, you know, Maybe the other kind of back 10-ish guys. So yeah, but I mean, if you take the if you
0: take the the restriction off and look at every shortstop and not just qualified shortstops, Alcides Escobar was twentieth in WAR last year.
2: Yeah, I hmm. my main point about Escobar is that he's not nearly as good as people think he is. He's, no, yeah,
1: he's, not, yep. he's not. Yeah, he's He's not good. <clears throat> yes, Facebook would tell you he's a top five shortstop, maybe top he's, two.
2: He, and I'm worried about his his uh, his aging because he has no offensive skills.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, not not, not yeah. any offensive skills. And if right. his defense and base running goes down a little bit, he's yeah
1: um, that is worse that is than useless. Problem. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's that's okay. definitely an issue for a guy
1: like that. Hey, um, do you guys think that? And I've argued on Twitter with a, a gentleman named Tom, and I think everybody knows Tom on Twitter. If you're on Royals Twitter, for the most part. Um, doesn't he write for Royals Review now? Tom? Isn't that that Tom?
0: No, is that the one you're talking about. No,
1: nope. he, he writes for. Uh, or he used to write for the K. I think he used to be the janitor for Rock Chalk. Oh, you're Tommy. talking about Tom Fear. Yeah, okay. Tom Fear. Uh, Tommy Boy. Um, do you guys think Hosmer is an elite first base defender? <laughs> Seriously. No, no, no. Just defense. Don't worry about offense. De- oh, <laughs> defense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, right. no, no, no. No, no, no.
0: Sorry. You, I just need to correct this. You said Tom. I thought Tim.
1: Yes. Tim Whip. Is the one yeah, base. Tim Weber, great guy, Tim Weber. Yeah, but I'm uh, talking about Tom. Is
0: he an elite first base defenseman? Yes, or is he an elite first baseman
1: defender, just defense only? Is he in the top, let's say, top three of defensive first baseman, like currently playing? Yes, currently playing.
4: Mm, He's not probably. Yeah. Who's better?
0: <sighs> the numbers don't say it. That's but it. Like, the numbers the don't I, say it. The eye test, actually, I think. Exactly. So,
2: and that's. I think I think picking. I think it under underrates his, uh, the picking, yes. which doesn't doesn't really show up. But he he saves so many runs.
1: And Fangraphs right. has that stat. They have scoops, and he does lead the league consistently every year in scoops. So. He's just
2: the best at it. So yeah, he's very good at scoops,
1: <laughs> but I feel like range wise, he's not Pujols in prom, in his prime. You know, I, I've, and not that that's always well. got a big comparison, but I just and feel I, like.
0: I would actually argue that him going to his right is actually more of a detriment (laughs) to his defense than anything because he very often will try and make a play on a ball that's hit three feet to the left of the second baseman, Yeah, and he'll dive out to try and get it, and it'll either go off his glove or, you know, it'll go under him, but now nobody's covering first base. So, like... There's there's some things that he does defensively that are less than good. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I mean, there's not there's not really any good defensive first baseman outside of. I mean, if you consider Buster Posey a first baseman. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Posey, like, I,
1: and I think Napoli actually used to get but, good remarks, and Brenna Belt. I think those guys are usually yeah. pretty good but yeah sure but there's no (laughs) one draw Simmons yeah there's there's no Simmons version of a first baseman I mean
4: nobody comes to mind
1: yeah okay all right unless you
2: put Lorenzo Cain on first base which would be amazing
1: yeah that would be a fun I want Yost to do that have Cain play all nine positions including pitcher uh, just to see I don't know why not if we're up 30 games come you know August give it a shot so okay Um, yeah I think that's... I mean, really I, that... I
0: don't know. I, I have a hard time saying top three, but I would yeah. probably easily say top five and would definitely say top ten. Right. So, so top
1: five goes against the numbers, but I'm with you that maybe that doesn't add... I don't know. That's tough. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that was just something to consider. I figured you guys...
0: I mean, like, he's won how many gold gloves now? Four? Three? I think it's two or three.
4: Yeah, more every, than one? More That's than three. one. Right. one plus. And, like,
0: presumably they are looking at actual defensive statistics now when sure. they give out the Gold Glove Awards. Three below. Gold Gloves, by the way. Right. Um, but I think there is also, I mean, it's one thing for somebody to sit here and say, like, oh, no, Alcides Escobar is a good player, like, overall. It's like, well, we can look at his offense, and it's clearly deficient. And we look at his defense, and it's pretty good. And but people in baseball aren't saying, "No, you guys are wrong." Like Alcides Escobar is actually a really, really good player. Yeah. What people are saying about Eric Hosmer is, I don't know. The stats don't say that he's a good defender, but everybody, like in and around the actual sport of baseball, is saying, "No, like he's a he's a good defender." So it's 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 hard because. On the one hand, the metrics aren't really saying that he's good. But literally the organization, like the the university of baseball is saying no, he is actually <laughs> baseball, yeah. yeah, he actually is a good first baseman. Hmm. Like so I, I think I, I, it's it's really complicated. Uh, in terms of you know, looking at yeah. his profile, if he continues in, in that
1: respect, if he continues on the path he's on, let's just say for the next two years, he just is the same Hosmer. Uh, the mm-hmm. repeats 2015 for um, a few more years, or well, maybe not repeats 2015, but it's just good. Do you guys think yeah. he may, breaks 150 million in free agency?
0: Um, if, if sure. he repeats 2015, yes. Sure,
1: okay. I don't think so, but yeah,
4: right. yeah. and and I, I think mean, it, it yeah. depends on inflation. Well, I think
0: sure, yeah. And that's also a thing. I mean, he'll be 28. Yeah, 28-year-old. 28 when he's a free agent. He could
2: get a six- or seven-year deal.
0: Yeah, so maybe not 150, but he'll probably get 120, 120.
2: All it would would take is one breakout year of, like, 150 WRC+, and he will get huge, huge. Easily, yeah. All it takes is one year. It doesn't even have to be his free agency year. Right
1: never hit 20 home runs never hit I mean 19 so he's he's never hit over you know decidedly right. over 20 home runs essentially
2: yeah Uh-oh. yeah it's one year
1: all you know. Texas is one year yeah. and people you know especially if it's the year before I mean especially if it's within range of free agency oh, really
0: I mean all Eric Cosmer has to do to improve his offensive profile to get into that like 140 WRC plus range 150 is to just Remember to not forget how to hit baseballs for two months at a time. Yeah. Which yeah, is I what, mean, like, what, that's what he's done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Not like, even it just, just don't slip. It just don't slip as long, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I
1: mean, readjust quicker. Date right. one girl for the whole year. Stop dating <laughs> different girls.
0: Like, he had, he easily had two four-week stretches last year where he just disappeared at the plate just yep. flat out was gone. Was what? grounding out to second. Like, like it's, it's it's a, a running joke. Hmm. That's and that like was, was interesting. And he was that way as well. Yeah, yeah like, that's how well-known it is, is that Eric Hosmer has a period every year where he will just ground out for weeks at a time.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
2: Oh, and don't and forget he, swinging at the slider.
1: Yes. Right. Knox yeah. Gordon syndrome, essentially. Yeah. Slider away at... Good day, from a from a righty or a lefty. Yeah, that's the end of end of Alex Gordon. Um,
0: so if he can if he can turn his you know four week slumps into two week slumps, then
1: okay, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. might be able to do that. That's okay, it. It. Matt. Any other questions? You're gonna just cop out and just say sure on that? I should ask, or you feel good? <laughs> uh, no, I I okay. I think that's that's okay. That's Do we another. want to talk
0: about the Royals bullpen at all? No. Whether or not it's actually an issue? Maybe maybe at a later time. Yeah, it, it
1: seems like Matt's gotta start. go to bed. He's got he's got bedtime. And I know Kevin's got <laughs> stuff going on. No, it's it's not it's not
2: bedtime. <laughs> it's just two hour podcasts. Nobody listens to two hour podcasts. Yeah, unless you're hard. like serial.
0: And or then, unless you're driving to Georgia. Yeah. Right.
1: You listen to our <laughs> podcast? Josh? Oh, absolutely. I would too, I think. Um I don't, yeah. but I think I would if I had that long of a drive. Okay, cool. You're in them all. Yeah. But it's still yeah, kind of cool fun. to hear him back. So, but we've got some listeners that listen. So, uh, you know, we have four hundred, five hundred different listens per podcast, which is pretty good, I think.
4: Well, how about that?
1: Yeah, um, I'm. I, I mean, Josh is two hundred of them, but uh,
4: <laughs> that's not true.
0: I don't I download it once using an app on my phone, Podcast Addict. I use that too. Great, yeah, me too.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: So I download it and then uh, listen to it. Cool. So I, I don't even stream it. I just actually just download it. Okay.
1: Out, outro music is starting right now, and it's going to crescendo. Um, so everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Let me remind you, we are joined by uh, Matthew Lamar, my co-host. I'm glad Matt could join us. Uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt's Twitter handle, which he's going to say right now. Uh, Lamar underscore Matt. And then, uh, as usual, we have Josh Ward, and you can follow Josh on Twitter, which is recommended, at Josh's Twitter handle, which is
0: j underscore k underscore w a r d
1: and then making his uh, his inaugural and hopefully um one of many not annual but whatever uh very often appearance kevin kevin Ruprecht, thanks for joining us
4: yeah thanks for having me this time
1: and kevin what's your twitter
4: uh kevin Do
1: you want to spell underscores
4: uh yeah r-u-p-e-r-e-c-h-t
1: awesome and uh, Kevin is also the managing editor of beyond the box score, and he writes world reviews. So you can find his writing. Uh, you can find Matt's writing, my writing, Josh's writing, all the best world content on Nation. Do not go to Pine Tar Press, regardless of how much Josh Ward wants to talk about that other website that's not ours. Uh, on our podcast, you might as well go to Kings of Kaufman while you're at it. You might as well go to uh, I can't think of. The other Royals Authority. Royals Authority. You can actually go to Royals Authority. We like Uh And we like everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You
2: could go to Rainy on the Royals. All yeah, you want.
1: Rainy on the Royals. You can go to <laughs> the Star. Okay. Well, that's the end of this podcast. Just,
4: just don't go to judging the Royals. Yeah,
1: don't go to judging the Royals.
2: I mean, you can if you really want to. Yeah. Or go to, you know, Bradcast Ball If you want to, for whatever
1: uh, so, <laughs> so okay alright so signing off uh good night everyone thanks for listening and have many many uh have many many good nights thanks
3: Thank you.